the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Andrea K Show on AM 1170. The Answer is sponsored by Andrea K. Welcome to the Andrea K Show. She's blonde, five foot two, and one hundred seven pounds of dynamite in a dress. Here she is, Andrea K. Good evening and welcome to the Friday night edition of the Andrea K Show heading into a wonderful holiday weekend. I'm so excited. I love holiday weekends and I especially love this one because Memorial Day weekend is a weekend in which we honor um, our heroes, our nation's heroes. And there's an old saying that I think summarizes it. Um, all gave some and some gave all. And there is a great distinction between Veterans Day and Memorial Day. And this is the weekend where we honor. Well, we do honor all of our veterans, but especially those who gave their lives um, in honor of our service. Thank you for tuning in for me tonight and sharing this special occasion with us. Three different ways to be a part of the show. Actually, a few different ways. Friend me on Facebook at Andrea K. Follow me on Twitter at Andrea K. 5. Uh, you can call in the show, 888-344-1170, and you can also message me on Facebook. But really, we're, the, the the fun is on the comments and on the threads that happen during the show. So I'm always so grateful anytime I have, you know, all of you sharing this time with me. Memorial Day weekend, we've got a fun show tonight. We've got a great interview coming up with um, New York Times bestselling author Scott McEwen, who wrote none other among several books he's wrote he's written. He's the author of American Sniper and creative consultant of the movie. He's going to be with us as well as a good friend of his, a retired SEAL, who's also an author, Chris Sinog. So they're going to be on to talk about um, Chris Kyle himself as well as uh, the military community on this Memorial Day weekend. Uh, but before we get into that, we got to talk about some other you know, exciting, fun things that have happened to kick off this Memorial Day weekend. I mean, I can't think of a better way to celebrate our nation's heroes than having Hillary Clinton uh, have her, uh, I hate to use the word dump, but that's what they do. You know, they like to, to take a uh, Friday afternoon on a holiday weekend and like they love to dump the bad news on us. They being any politician, whether it's left or right, who's got some bad news they want to hide. And, of course, she's gone up to really great lengths to hide all of her shenanigans from the Clinton Foundation, um, but most importantly, involving Benghazi. And so her emails, some, about 290 of the thousands and thousands and thousands of emails chronicling all of her shenanigans and events that led up to the deaths of four Americans. Uh, about 290 were released today, as well as our oppressive uh, Marxist little dictator dumping more of his regulations onto a distracted public today. Um, on a weekend in which, like I said, we're supposed to be honoring our heroes. I mean, is this what they fought for? Is this what they died for? Having somebody who's running for president who's been trying to hide, who, who launched a cover-up to hide her, her you know, behavior involving the deaths of four Americans. What about the opposition party that's not actually opposing anything, who's actually ceded more and more and more power to the dictator uh, president that we have? You know, we have a constitution that's currently being trampled by executive orders, 
basically giving our country away. We have an administration that's used the IRS to trample the freedoms of speech of those with opposing political viewpoints. Nothing's happened there. Thank you, GOP. Uh, We have an administration that, like I said, covered up the deaths of four Americans, and they didn't just die under the watch of of the uh, Secretary of State and the president. They they died in part because they were involved in another illegal gun running operation, this time running guns not across the southern border to the Mexican drug cartels, but to actually even worse cartels, the Islamic terrorists themselves. That's what was involved there. Uh, and and where, again, where is the GOP? Where is the opposition party holding these people to account? We have an administration that's been hiding their communications. And this is not just Hillary and her emails. Look at President Obama with the Justice Department and all the stonewalling. Oh, with the rule of law and transparency will be the hallmarks of my administration. And meanwhile, the GOP has allowed them to hide and obfuscate and stonewall and do everything they can to keep from being held accountable. Uh, we have an administration, speaking of an opposition party that's not doing anything to oppose, we have an administration that signed uh, secret trade deals, uh, attempting to give our sovereignty away. He even said this week, uh, stated openly, that treaties trump our courts. You know, it, 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 he's just completely open with it. There's no disguising what he is about. It's like I said last night. His game plan was to transform America, and it was to economically and militarily neuter us. Think about that going into uh, Memorial Day weekend. We have an administration that's openly attacking our freedom of religion. And freedom of religion is specifically what this country was founded on. And if they can pierce that and if they can get the American people to get on board with our freedom of speech and our freedom of, of religion to be taken away from us, man, that's the Marxist inroad to Marksville. That's the holy grail. We've also got with these regulations, we're going to talk a little bit about that coming up. We've got um, uh 2,000 more pages of regulations that involve, speaking of Marxism, that involve and tax on our property. Our property is intellectual property involving our businesses. Our property is our real property involving our homes, involving our actual money that we make and our income. That is currently being under attack with regulation and taxation. And, yes, taxation, because so many people don't seem to understand that you look at that behemoth, the most tyrannical policy that's ever been inflicted on the American people. Obamacare had at least 40 new taxes for the middle class, and he lied and said that there would be no new taxes on the middle class. That is what is going down in Washington, D.C. And this is not what our country was founded on. This is not what our military have fought and died for. But I was really sad to see, you know, I, I am dynamite in a dress, and I like to hit it hard. I like to call people out and hold them account. But I still believe that this is the greatest nation on the face of the earth. And to Vincent, who said on Facebook today that he was so disheartened that he felt like he had fought for this country in vain. Vincent, please let me reach out to you and tell you this. There is nobody who's fought for this country or died for this country in vain. We are still the greatest nation on earth, and our military military have been the bearers of that. They have not only been the ones who have held us up and cradled us and made us the greatest nation in the world. They are the ones who have provided freedom, uh, uh, food, comfort all throughout the world, not just militarily by, by waging the wars over there and providing freedom, but also being the nation's and the world's police force, to also even providing supplies and, and feeding the hungry. You look at what happened after, after the tsunami. You look at what happened down in Haiti. It's our military. We are the first ones on the scene. They actually work directly with the Red Cross to help with these you know natural disasters as well as man-made disasters. It's the military that went to Africa to deal with the Ebola crisis and set up 
makeup tents, of which it ended up not being any patients. It's our military that have been the force for freedom uh, and, and the greatest force for good in mankind since this nation began. And so please, I don't want anybody out there to think that they fought in vain just because we've got problems going on in D.C. And we've got an election coming up in 2016. We've got an opportunity to take this country back. I'm going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk to a couple of heroes. One is a retired Navy SEAL named Chris Sinog, who fought for this country and not in vain. And another is a best-selling author who's written about these heroes, and he contributes to them in honoring them by his writing. And that's Scott McEwen, author of American Sniper and another series of books about snipers. You're going to want to stay tuned for this interview. Don't change that dial. You're listening to The Andrea K. Show on AM 1170, The Answer. The answer. Want to start living better, longer? LaVita Compounding Pharmacy can help. Proudly improving the lives of over 10,000 patients, preparing personalized medications with the highest care, quality, and safety. Voted Union Tribune's best local pharmacy, LaVita specializes in bioidentical hormones, prescription skin care, transdermal pain creams, and more. Let us help you find the path to living better, longer. Visit us at LaVitaRx.com or call 866-507-1990. Bill and Kathleen with American Vision Windows. Hi, my name is Bill, and this is my wife, Kathleen, and we are the owners of American Vision Windows. And they founded American Vision Windows because of firsthand experience. It was about 16 years ago. We had a need to get some windows. We started making calls going through the sales process. We didn't have people returning our calls. When they'd come, they really weren't professional. They didn't give us a full presentation to understand what I was buying, the benefits I was going to have, all the stuff that we like to share with the customer now. I didn't feel like we could make a super educated decision. So obviously the industry needed better customer service. But the final straw for Bill... Some of these people were were looking at Kathleen like she wasn't the decision maker, which in our house is a mistake. Revolutionizing the home improvement industry one customer at a time. Right now, let American Vision Windows pay your tax and receive free expert installation. Visit our beautiful new showroom on Miramar Road in San Diego, or we'll bring the showroom to you. 888-658-4648. CSOB number 778-326. Intelligent. Conservative. AM 1170. The answer. Hi, welcome back to the Andrea K Show. So honored to have you all here with me and share this Friday night in my Memorial Day show with you all. And I am especially honored to have in the studio with me today uh, two gentlemen, I could not think of a better way to honor. Y'all know that I come from a long line of military people. You know how much I love the military. They are my heroes. As I said on last night's show, my heroes are not actors. You know, they're not sports figures. They're those who wear the military uh, uniform. And it all, every time we have Memorial Day, I think about the quote Major General Bob Scales said to me years ago when I interviewed him for a documentary. He said, Andrea, he said, if you look at all the strifes that have happened in the world since the United States came into existence. The solution always began with a member of the U.S. military walking the streets in uniform. And I think about that every time we roll around for Memorial Day. And so it's it's a time very important to me. I have two incredibly important individuals in to share this uh, special occasion, Memorial Day, with me. I've got none other than Scott McEwen, author of a series of books. He's most well-known for American Sniper, and we're going to talk about that tonight. We're going to talk about the legend Chris Kyle. Um, but we also have another real-life 
hero in the studio with us today to talk about Memorial Day and to talk about his work and his book as well. And it's Chris Sinog. Welcome, gentlemen, heroes to the American uh, to the Andrea K. Show. Thank you very much. Thanks, Andrew. Um, you know, so many. You know, I talk about you, Scott, as being a hero as well because your work that you do pays tribute and and an honor to these American heroes as well. And so from all the books that you write and the work that you do in the media and being on the show tonight pays tribute and honor to these heroes. How did you go from being a well-known, successful attorney here in San Diego to being a best-selling author and writing books about Navy SEALs and snipers like Chris Sinog and Chris Kyle? You know, I met Chris Kyle through some friends of mine that were in the teams, um, 2008, 2009. Got to know Chris and got to hear his stories about uh, not only his work in uh, Iraq, but also the work of a, a lot of his friends in Afghanistan and Iraq and what these guys were doing to defend this country and how many losses they had incurred. And as a result of that, I went to a lot of funerals and got to know a lot of families that needed help that were SEAL Team families. And, um, you know, just heard Chris's story. And I felt like his story was one that was so compelling that it had to be written. In other words, I didn't feel like it was a a piece that was, you know, kind of it would be important or might be all right to write. I felt like I was talking to somebody who'd been at the Battle of D-Day or, or something of that nature, that, that important. And so I felt like, you know, sometime it had to be recorded and it had to be accurately recorded for history. And that was really the genesis of American Sniper and uh, the starting of the recordings with Chris and convincing him that his story was important enough to bring to the public. Okay, so you were fascinated with, um, you know, him and his particular story. Um, and in his story is one about um, heroism, of course. Um, what is it about snipers themselves themselves that make them so unique within the military community? I think, you know, Chris would probably be able to talk to the technical aspect of that and the training, you know, and, and better than me. But what I find the sniper to be as far as a, 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 a person that uh, excels not only amongst his group, but amongst the military in general. I think Chris would be the first one to say, and I certainly have talked to Marine, MARSOC guys, guys in the Delta, you know, Army guys that that have snipers. Each sniper that is there has the skill set of the average guy, not that these guys are average, but the SEALs. They've already been through all that training. They've already been through all the Marine training. They've already been through the jumper schools, the diving schools, everything else. But then they select amongst them a very few group or a very – few amongst that group to become the sniper of that team. And usually a a fire team will have one, possibly two snipers, but it's going to be a very specialized guy that's going to carry, you know, the long gun with, with a scope. And he has a special job, not only to shoot, but to also be able to infiltrate, to be able to, to hide himself, to be able to get information, to be able to document bad guys, to be able to upload that link into a satellite, to be able to do all these things and shoot and get himself out of there. So there's a lot of skill set that Chris will tell you that has nothing to do with pulling the trigger. It has everything to do with the ability to get in and get out without anybody being able to see you or know that you're there. 
Right. It's it's obviously so much more than just eyesight and, you know, um, a, a hair trigger. Were you shocked, though? I mean, you knew what an extraordinary individual he was and the role of the sniper. Were you shocked by the response by the American public to him and his story, especially when the movie came out and what a phenomenal phenomenon it became? Yeah, you know, and it, I was. I mean, obviously, everybody was shocked. I mean, there's no way you could anticipate the level of public, uh, you know, uh, taking that to heart and really taking Chris's story to heart. What I wasn't shocked by, though, was the fact that people felt a compelling story when you heard it and felt that they got to know the family and got to know something more about the military. I felt that that was always so strong with Chris's story and so strong with the family story when I first heard what they were going through. And at that time, Tay and Chris were having a lot of trouble when we started that project. I mean, a lot of trouble. And we put it in the book. We didn't try and mask that fact that, you know, he spent a lot of time at my house. And, you know, and, uh, you know, the bottom line is, you know, I felt like he needed a chance. And I felt like their family needed a chance to get themselves back together. And I felt like their story could help others that are going through the same thing. And so, you know, we've got 300,000 men and women that are returning from battles in foreign countries right now, almost 400,000 that have been serving in Afghanistan and Iraq. Every one of them has got a story. Many of them can identify with Chris Kyle's story because they've been through the same thing. And that's where the, if you will, generational appeal was, in my opinion, was we got a whole generation that have been at war for 10 years. And so that's why I think the public in general took took this story to heart. I think you're right, and I think it was generational. Even for me and my generation, my dad did a couple tours in Vietnam, and and I know how difficult it is on the family and on Mama with three little kids, and you know um, being left for long periods of time and had to hold down the fort, and then him coming back and the transition and how difficult it was. And you know, Chris, I'm sure you can share more with us about that later. Were you also surprised at some of the negative reaction uh, to the story and even? places like universities that were refusing to show the movie? Yeah, I mean, that, you know, unfortunately, that is the country that we explain the story to. And one of the parts of that story, of Chris's story, that I was really compelled to tell was the fact that 1% of our nation is defending the other 100%. And we've got 1% of this country, a little bit over 1%, that is carrying the load militarily for the other 99%. So a lot of the people, when Chris would come back, we'd go out and have a beer or something like that. And, you know, one of the things that really bothered him was that the country didn't even know we were at war. And there's a lot of people in this country didn't even know we had men and women dying in foreign lands in defense of this country's ideals and this country's uh, decisions. And I felt like that was wrong. You know, yeah. if we're going to have a collective effort, if this country is going to survive, then they better realize and better appreciate what that 1% is doing. And Absolutely. that's another thing that American Sniper was really about. Yeah. Does does that mean that there's <clears throat> people within the military or yourself who have the opinion that maybe it's time to think about the draft again or keep it an all-volunteer force? You know, I think the force we have is so strong. And I think that the level of intelligence we have amongst that force is probably better than I have ever seen in my lifetime. And not not that I've been in that group or that I'm a part of that group because I'm not. But I do know that these guys are able to handle more high-tech equipment, more high-tech jets, tanks, planes, you know, you name it, um, than ever before. And so if this force is able to do its job as a civilian force and a volunteer force, then I see no reason to force a draft per se. Although there's other reasons to bring that on or to maybe think about that in other forms of civil service as well because – 
God knows our youth could use a little bit more devotion towards something other than watching video games. Yeah, or the Kardashians. Yeah, you know, I mean, I think that, you know, to start a draft now under these circumstances, to me, doesn't make sense. But, you know, I'm not the one making that call. Yeah, well, I didn't want to spend too much time on politics, but I I feel like I would be remiss to my listeners if I didn't ask you what you thought uh, Chris Kyle um, would think about the state of Iraq today and our anti-terrorism strategy and the fall of Mosul and, and Ramadi. Well, you know, I think he'd be disgusted, and I think he would be just as disgusted as I am. I'll be frank with you. Um, our guys won a victory there, and we took down, you know, the bad guys that were opposing us in that region. And we lost lives and we shed blood and we have guys coming back that are still dealing with injuries from that and women. And uh, I think that to have a wholesale basically uh, give back and loss from what was a gain and a win, a clear W is to me disgusting. And I think that this administration and what they've done or haven't done to try and protect the gains and the people that backed us in that mm-hmm. country who are now being executed. Oh, right. Um, you know, just really, I think, is 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 a failure in leadership. And I think that our country will pay for that failure for a long time. And I think that, you know, if you look at what we did in post-World War II Germany, post-World War II Japan, post-World War II, you know, post-era, you know, where we basically built those countries back up, created democracies that are just as strong as us and followed a Marshall plan that worked. And then to have this happen in this region so quickly just shows you exactly how inept, not our military was, no, but that the leadership was because the military did their job. No, absolutely. And it was not in, in, in uh, there's a big debate going on right now as to whether or not this administration is one of incompetence or whether or not it's uh, there's some other ideology at play. I, and I mentioned I addressed it, the incomp- incompetence issue last night and said there was no incompetence on the part of our, our U.S. military. And in fact, on Memorial Day weekend, it's it's a time not just to celebrate all of our veterans, but specifically those who, um, you know, the, the saying is all gave some and some gave all. And in many ways, Chris Kyle um, gave his life for the Iraq war because it was an Iraqi veteran actually who ultimately took his life when suffering from uh, PTSD. Um, before we move on from Chris and talk about your amazing series of books um, based on, on snipers, um, what, what do you remember most about him on Memorial Day weekend? What most stands out in your mind and what do you want people to remember about him? You know, Chris, Chris was a, the type of guy that would take the shirt off his back literally to help somebody out on the side of the road. He was a Texan and uh, born and bred, and uh, they they just make a different type of attitude down there. I don't know what it is, but it's very it's very familial. It's very you know much of one to help others. And uh, you know Chris was that type of guy. He really was. And uh, you know he loved to have a beer. He loved to have a laugh. He enjoyed his time joking around with other guys. And uh, you know the guys in his group and in Team Three, Charlie, they all spoke extremely highly of him because he you know he'd be in the middle of a battle. And be able to crack a joke. I mean, wow. he's 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 the type of guy that uh, he never took himself too seriously. He always laughed when people said, "Oh, you're this or you're the legend or whatever else." <laughs> he was not an, a conceited type of guy at all. Could he deadlift like Cooper did in the movie? No, oh, this this guy's tough. I mean, was, Chris was 
you, you did not want to have him put you uh, in, in a chokehold, that's for sure. And I, and I experienced it a couple times. Did you think? <laughs> <laughs> well, so did J- Jesse Ventura, supposedly. Yeah. But we won't talk about that, yeah. or he might sue me. Yeah, that's right. Um, anyway, that's Snake. Um, so, did Cooper do an honest portrayal? You know, I at one time when I was on set, and I've told people this, and and it's the truth, you know, as far as my own reaction, I turned around, and Bradley was so much in character, I heard him talking behind me, and uh, he couldn't come out of that Texas that Texas accent, even when he wasn't doing his lines on on the thing, he just became Chris Kyle. He looked like him. He chewed tobacco like him. Wow. He, he his mannerisms <laughs> were like him. The way he looked, he studied film. He studied everything he could on Chris Kyle. And I'm really, you know, I'm very pleased that he got, you know, nominated for the Academy Award. But Should've if anybody won. ever de- deserved one, I mean, I think that his portrayal of Chris Kyle was as stunning as, for example, Robert De Niro and Jake LaMotta, uh, Raging Bull. I mean, I think it was that brilliant an acting job. And, you know, there was politics at play, right, which clearly. is another which is another thing that, you know, I thought Clint Eastwood should have been nominated for Best Director. Oh, and let's hello. face it. Yeah. But, uh, you know, the bottom line is he did a great job. And, yeah. I, and, and, and Bradley d- really portrayed Chris Kyle fairly. And he and he defended the movie admirably when mm-hmm. he was attacked, uh, just like all of us were for the piece by these right. Michael Moore types, and he never backed down. None of us backed down about the portrayal of Chris Kyle, and for that, I'm also proud of him. Yeah, well, and, and I think he, <laughs> from what I saw, I thought he hit it out of the park, not just in the mannerisms and the speech patterns and all that, but the humanity that he brought. A lot of the criticisms came from some of the some of the kill shots that he had to make, but the the the, the humanity that he brought to the role, I thought, just, just really touched my heart. Mm. Um, but there's so much humanity, and I think it showed the fact that there is humanity in these amazing warriors that go and fight for all of our freedoms. And that's I want to shift gears and talk about you're bringing that humanity also to your books and, um, you know, uh, and your character, Gil Shannon. Mm. Tell everybody about your books. Well, Gil Shannon is the main character in the SEAL Team uh, Sniper Elite series, which now we're on the third book, The Sniper and the Wolf. The first two did extremely well. Thank you very much to those out there that have supported the series because... I, I really appreciate it. Um, they're based on a lot of things that I hear uh, as far as operations that maybe have taken place behind enemy lines mm-hmm. in areas that aren't able to be talked about openly or at least not the country or the operation, but they happened. Every bit as heroic as anything you will see in a medal, but you don't get medals for things that happen in the black op world. Right. And uh, a lot of this comes from a lot of those stories, and none of it would ever, you know, I would never – violate operational security or otherwise compromise the United States or anybody that I talk about or, mm-hmm. you know, all of it has changed fictionally. But I do think that the acts are very, extremely brave, and mm-hmm. uh, I'd like to write about those in my character of Gil Shannon. And mm-hmm. the skill set that Gil Shannon has as a SEAL is an amalgamation of a lot of snipers I know, a lot of guys I know, a lot of shooters I know mm-hmm. that are extremely good and that are extremely devoted to their craft. Mm-hmm. And uh, Gil is the ultimate in all of those skills and these guys know how to steal cars jump out of planes go underneath the ocean come up shoot people go back and do it all backwards again but uh, the bottom line is this guy has all that skill set and put in very real environment yeah um and you know to me sounds like a series of movies maybe should be coming out of these books well sony's very interested we've signed a deal with them uh Mm -hmm. it's in development uh, we'll see if, uh, you know, what happens there. But I'm very pleased to see that they're very interested mm-hmm. in it and that they want to do it. 
Um, Anybody you're eyeing to play the part of Gil Shannon? You know, there's a few guys out there, and I'd rather yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that uh, Chris just raised his hand. Yeah. Uh, but uh, um, there's a few guys out there that we're looking at right now. I'd rather not say until mm-hmm. the studio makes a decision. Gotcha. Because those that maybe were, were in consideration that didn't get it or whatever. But um, I think it's going to be a great role for somebody. Yeah. And, oh, uh, yeah. And, yeah. Uh, you know, Sony is losing the... Uh, the series that they have with uh, with James Bond, and if we could step into that and have a real American hero yeah. fulfill a similar role, I would be happy to uh, to be the guy that write about it. Oh uh, well, and I would be the fr- I'd be on the front row with my popcorn <laughs> because that's my kind of movie. All my listeners, y'all know that I've seen every war movie ever made and ever made and any and read every book and, and just love 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 um, anything related to the military, uh, fiction, faction, or, or anything in between. And thank you so much uh, for continuing to write these stories, you know, about these amazing people like you, Mr. Chris Sinog. Welcome to the Andrea K Show. Thanks for having me. And in addition to being a retired uh, U.S. Navy SEAL and sniper yourself, you are also a best-selling author, are you not? I am. I wrote How to Shoot Like a Navy SEAL. And uh, although Scott is a New York Times best-selling author, I can only claim fame to Amazon.com. But uh, good well, enough for me. Well, heck yeah, because, you know, I, I have trouble getting my blog done every week uh, for my show. So I admire writers. Um, now, is this How to Shoot Like a Navy SEAL this isn't the same book that's also the handbook that's being used by the SEALs, is it? It's not, correct? No. Uh, before I retired, I ran the sniper course for the SEALs here in Coronado. And during that time, I got to write the manual and get that approved. And this is what I did is I kind of took that education of, of being able to train people to that level mm-hmm. and distilled it down for civilians and law enforcement how they can use it because it's a lot different. Mm-hmm. The you know in the SEAL teams we had unlimited amounts of ammunition. We got paid to go to the range to shoot, oh, and no, pretty much nobody else. You know you can't train anybody else like a SEAL. So yeah. you know I had to find ways to teach people. You know with less time with less ammunition. So that's how to shoot like a Navy SEAL. And I've got my next book. Navy SEAL shooting coming out this summer. Awesome. Now, your time in the SEALs, the SEALs are known and acknowledged by everybody as being the baddest dudes in the business, okay, um, and the hardest group to get into. Tell everybody a little bit about that time there, keeping it, you know, keeping the classified stuff classified, Chris. Well, I, I do my best to keep the classified classified. I still have a security clearance because of the units that I still train. I still train military and law enforcement. So I have an active clearance. So I don't talk about what I did overseas, uh, I, you know, and plus what I really concentrate on is training people. So okay. I talk about that a lot more, but, uh, you know, you ask about being hard to get in. One of the most interesting stories I have was it actually, when I decided to become a SEAL, it took me two hours to get my orders from the time I decided to go to BUDS to become a SEAL until I had my orders in hand, and that's pretty much unheard of just because I was I was a diver before I was a SEAL, a Navy oh, diver, wow. and I supported SEALs. And my boss was friends with the guy that wrote the orders to to get you to bud, so he called him up and said, hey, give this guy orders. Wow. And two hours later, I had my orders. Wow. Yeah. But you weren't two hours later, you weren't a SEAL. There was a whole lot Not. of... A whole lot of bad stuff that happened, right? Definitely a lot, lot longer than 
in two hours. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so getting back to your book, how to how to shoot like a Navy SEAL, is that mainly used just by law enforcement or, other, or is, is there value to somebody who just likes to go to the range and shoot? Really, I've I've found a pretty big audience. There's, you know, when, when I got out, I was really surprised at the lack of training that law enforcement have. Like there's mm-hmm. the majority of them shoot 50 rounds a year to mm-hmm. qualify. And if they mm-hmm. do qualify, they holster back up mm-hmm. and they hopefully don't take it out again for another year because, you know, no fault of their own. They're not, you know, they don't get much training. So a lot of law enforcement, a lot of civilians, you know, I've found People generally don't have the time to train, mm-hmm. you know, like uh, with me, I have a wife and kids and, mm-hmm. you know, I have soccer games and I got to pick up groceries on the way home. So seals don't go to soccer games and pick up groceries, Chris. All right. Here's one that's going to blow your mind. And, and people, people <laughs> that uh, people that follow me on centermassgroup.com, they, they know this about me. I drive a white minivan. Oh, no, you don't. I do. Yes. It's, Dude, that thing better I don't be have tricked big out with, like, wheels. guns nope. sticking out of the sides <laughs> nope. and grenades launching. No, I always just smile at people because I get cut off a lot more than when I had my big SUV before. And uh, I just smile at people, you know, uh-huh. when they drive by going, huh, if you only knew. Yeah, 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 exactly. If you only knew. Speaking of only knew, you've you trained some really high-profile people back in your days in the SEALs. Uh, you know, I think— Can you name drop? Uh, I'm— I don't name drop. I have trained some people that people have heard of and, you know, the the honor all goes to them. Everybody I trained is a hero. So one of the things that's so striking to me in living in San Diego and having been in and around the military community for so long is the just the humility of these guys, Scott, in terms of just who they are, and what they do. You know, it, it, and and I, I feel the same way about a lot of the, the Navy pilots. You know, a lot of times you would be at a cocktail party, you would never know what these guys are capable of and what they've done. And just thank you so much for your service and your and your devotion to this country and what you've done. It just means so much to me. And it means a lot to me, more than I could ever express to you, not just your time in the service, but that you took time today to come in and to do my show. I'm going to get, my friends know I'm a weeper. I'm going to get verklempt here. <laughs> All right, Scott, anything that you want to say before we say goodbye? Uh, you know, I mean, thanks. You know, I think that Chris is, is being very, uh, is being very humble and, I'd like to say that, you know, one of the stories that I heard that I felt was very interesting from Chris's teammate, who was also a trainer, was from Marcus Luttrell, who I will say he's dis- he's disclosed it publicly. These guys trained Marcus, you know, from Lone Survivor. And Marcus said something to Brandon Webb, who was also one of his trainers at that time, that the skill set that he learned as a sniper was not what kept him alive. What kept him alive was the skill set they taught him to evade and to hide as a, mm-hmm. as a sniper knows how to camouflage himself when he was in a no joy situation he was overwhelmed. He had to, he had to stay, stay alive until the help came until the cavalry came. And it's that training that they, he received from Chris and from Brandon and from the seals that kept him alive. And wow. so that to me was a really interesting thought on seals that people don't realize with snipers, for example, that they teach these guys how to get out of situations where mm-hmm. you do have a huge force that's hunting you. Right. And, and, you know, you must either evade 
and get away or you're going to get, you know, you're dead. You know? Yeah. It kind of reminds me of um, First Blood, one of my favorite movies of all time, when uh, the, the guy comes and he says, I'm not here to rescue you guys from Ram- uh, rescue Rambo from you guys. I'm here to rescue you guys from him. Okay. Yeah. This guy was trained to, you know, eat stuff that would make a billy goat puke. But, yeah. you know, that's kind of, that's the mentality. Well, since this is a Memorial Day show, too, I want to say something that, you know, although we're going to have barbecues with our family and everything else. It's it's nice that people take a break and really kind of think about what this weekend is really all about. And it's not, although it's a good family weekend and it's a good time to have three days off and maybe people perceive it as such. You know, the men and women of our military have given their lives for this country for the last 200 and some years. And it's this is the weekend that we give them a memorial. And uh, if you could do something for the men and women of our military, just any small thing, I think Chris Kyle and the rest of what he believed in would really appreciate that. So I think that's one thing we should put out to the people in general. Well, I couldn't have said it any better. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks to you both so much for coming on, on yeah. my show today. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Saying, I don't know, is no longer acceptable. This is AM 1170, The Answer. Want to start living better, longer? La Vida Compounding Pharmacy can help. Proudly improving the lives of over 10,000 patients, preparing personalized medications with the highest care, quality, and safety. Voted Union Tribune's best local pharmacy, LaVita specializes in bioidentical hormones, prescription skin care, transdermal pain creams, and more. Let us help you find the path to living better, longer. Visit us at LaVitaRx.com or call 866-507-1990. I'm Nicole Donnelly, and for over 20 years, I've owned and managed Miramar Kitchen and Bath with one goal in mind, to offer great service and great value. Just listen to what our customers are saying. Service was excellent. Easy process, start to finish. We are really happy with our new bathroom. We've already talked to them about redoing our kitchen. They have our complete trust. Call Miramar Kitchen and Bath, 858-271-8434, or visit my showroom, just one half block off Miramar Road on Commerce Avenue. Contractors license 657 AM 1170, The Answer. Everywhere you go on iHeartRadio. Welcome back to the Andrea K. Show. So glad to have you guys with me. What a great time I had interviewing Scott McEwen and uh, Chris Sinog today. That was actually recorded earlier today because Scott's been doing so much East Coast media that he's having to get up at like 4 o'clock in the morning to do uh, East Coast shows. And so it was a privilege for me to have somebody who's been, you know, all over like the Today Show and Laura Ingram and Levin and everywhere actually come on the little Andrea K show. Um, he is a patriot and uh, just spends so much time supporting uh, these these great patriots that we have here in the San Diego area. Um, lots of great comments. Hey, if you're not if you're listening to me and you're not friends with me and my peeps on Facebook, you are missing out because they are the smartest groups of people out there. And while they were even listening uh, to Scott and to Chris, they were talking about climate change and global warming and all kinds of stuff. And and, you know, at the top of the show, I talked about regulations that got dumped on uh, the American people today Um not a surprise because that's what Obama does. He's been um, by fiat, been uh, stuffing and stomping the jackboot of tyranny on the necks of business owners now for for quite a few years. 
And uh, these particular set of regulations are not a surprise either if you pay attention uh, to actually the speech he gave at the Coast Guard graduating class. Now, while now this speech he gave was while keep this in mind when I tell you what he said at the speech. This was while ISIS was marching all across Iraq and uh, taking Ramadi and leaving a trail of blood everywhere, while we had terrorist attacks and lone wolf attacks increasing here in the States, and while we had that al-Baghdadi head of ISIS calling for a worldwide jihad in the name of the religion of war, while Iran has been declaring for decades their goal of annihilating Israel and, and you know, with the U.S.'s help, they're like months away from a nuke. While all that's going on, mind you, Obama went before the graduating class of the Coast Guard and stated that climate change and global warming is the greatest threat that we face. In spite of the fact that one of my friends, the geniuses that you are, posted a, a great article on Facebook the other day from Forbes stating that uh, about, uh, you know, the, one of the main, you know, things that they say is proof of climate change and global warming is the polar ice caps receding. You know, you can go check out this article on Forbes. It basically says it's a bunch of hoo-ha. We know that it's a bunch of hoo-ha. The ice caps have rebounded since 1979. They're actually bigger than they were. But why did he do this? Why did he say that? Why is Al Gore and all the left, and including that dope Jeb Bush, going around acting like climate change is the biggest threat that we face? Because it's a vehicle for more power. Because that's all liberalism is all about. It's about power. That's what regular Relations are about. It's about power. You know, Marxism is about controlling the means of production. There's a couple different ways to do it. You don't have to technically take the pink slip of a business to have control over the means of production. All you got to do is regulate it to death. And that's exactly what's been going on with the Obama administration. 2,300 regulations released today, most of them having to do, and this is supposedly the costliest regulations in U.S. history, these all have to do with the EPA's proposed national ozone standard. And these regulations on manufacturers, according to the National Association of Manufacturers, say that just this one round of regulations involving the ozone rule could cost $140 billion per year. That's $1.7 trillion between the years of 2017 and 2040. So, you know, yesterday, last night, we were talking about Jade Helm, and one of the one of the theories behind why they're rehearsing possibly for martial law is that if they just if we continue on this road, you know, bankrupting this nation through increased debt and through stifling economic growth by making it impossible for businesses to start or to stay in business because of regulation, we're going to have a crippled economy and we're going to have a crisis and then we're going to see these tanks that have been rolling across streets in what they've considered to be hostile areas we're going to see them being up to something and but uh, another facebook genius friend of mine uh, actually also posted an article early today about all the regulations leading up to these and what the cost have been uh, going into 2014 there have been 27 uh new major rules published uh, uh pushed uh, what am I reading here? First six years, 184 new regulations have come out at 84 rules to the cost of $80 billion. And that's annually. And, um, you know, there's no there's you know, it's not a secret as to why there's been no real recovery. They can they can tell, you know, that uh, that the unemployment rates only, you know, five percent or whatever. We know that's a bunch of hooey, too, because we know that that doesn't account for all the people that have given up jobs and all the people that have gone on disability, Social Security. And that's going bankrupt, too. So that's the regulations. What are some of the other nonsense that Obama's been speaking? Well, Obama actually went before. Now, y'all know I'm a huge supporter of Israel. Hello to my friend David, who's actually back in the States. Hey there. Thanks for tuning into the Andrea K. Show. Uh, so Obama 
Did y'all know? The, did, did you know this, Todd? That he's the first Jewish president. What? Yeah. Okay. Bill says he was the first black president. Okay. Obama actually went before. Uh, where was he speaking at today? He was at. I think he was at. Um, at a Jewish conference today, actually showed up in a yarmulke, started speaking Hebrew, and declared himself a member of their tribe and said he was the first Jewish president. Now, he says this, of course, right, um, I don't know if it was before or after, he did an interview with Slate Magazine in which he basically said that just because that Ayatollah and the Iranian people over there hate Israel, that doesn't mean they shouldn't have a nuke. Just because they've been saying that they aim to get a nuke so that they can wipe Israel and the United States and and destroy all of Western civilization with the nuke, that doesn't mean that they shouldn't have one. He says Obama went on to say, I don't know if he was still wearing the yarmulke when he said this, by the way, or or how much of this he said in Hebrew. But he went on to say today that the fact that you're anti-Semitic or racist doesn't preclude you from being interested in survival. Really? Exactly whose survival? I mean, they're the ones threatening people, but yet. Obama's actually saying, see, this is this is inside the mind of the man who always wants to defend radical Islam. Right. And always wants to bash Christians and Jews. He goes on to say, speaking of Tehran's leadership, it doesn't preclude you being anti-Semitic. It doesn't preclude you from being rational about the need to keep your economy afloat. Interesting. It doesn't preclude you, he says, from making strategic decisions about how you stay in power. And so the fact that the supreme leader is anti-Semitic doesn't mean that it overrides all of his other considerations. I think the I think whoever put the yarmulke on his head, you know, maybe stuck a pin in a little too deep. He actually the nonsense, the the insanity went further when he said historically. Now get this. Anti-Semitic policies have been executed by governments across Europe and the Middle East at a low cost. It hadn't cost much, just a few million Jews that were exterminated, Todd. His policy, Obama went on to say, is to make clear to the Iranians that the cost is high. I don't even know what he's talking about there. I mean, it's so ridiculous. He goes on to say, look, he's going to be around a while, Obama is, God willing. And, you know, really, it's in his best interest that they don't end up with the nuke because that's just going to hurt his reputation. Um So then he goes on to say that uh, here's where he gets into the point where I'm going to punch you because I like you speech to to Israel. He goes on to say that he cares so deeply about y'all, the state of Israel, that it motivates him to criticize you and criticize Israel and their continued settlement activity, as well as to continue uh, to criticize comments from Netanyahu that run, quote, run contrary to the spirit of Israel's constitution, namely the disparaging comments about Israel's Arab community. Once again, everything he says, and in fact, you know, he says more actually involving uh, the desire of a two-state and how, you know, he says he's interested in a deal that blocks every single one of Iran's pathways to a nuclear weapon. Really, this, this was also right before he went on and said that there's no reason why they shouldn't have a nuke. When he says that, that he, he was looking for a deal that will protect Israel, and make them more secure. That's what they call in radical Islam world takia. Okay, that's basically they're licensed to say whatever they got to say to convince people that they're on your side just so they can get it over on you. Okay, that's what's going on there. That's so that's the nonsense there. He um, is he Christian? Is he Muslim? He's Jewish? And I, I don't think any of the groups want him. Well, uh, yeah, I don't think anybody. <laughs> 
<laughs> um, I don't think any of them want him because, you know, I think that in spite of how much he defends and uh, supports uh, radical Islam, quite frankly, they've basically issued a fatwa for him. But I actually don't think that I still don't think that means that he's not Muslim because there's a lot of infighting going on over there between whether or not you're really radical enough for them. It doesn't mean you're not Muslim, just like we have, you know, a lot of groups that have infighting. We got infighting in the Republican Party. Doesn't mean you're not a Republican just because maybe this one over here likes this trade deal and this one doesn't. Okay, you can still be a Republican. So I think just because they don't happen to some uh, don't think he's radical enough doesn't mean that he's not. I want to touch on a couple of other things. Actually, Alicia was going to come back in the studio tonight, um, but she's a little bit under the weather. And she and I were going to discuss uh, and actually debate a couple of little issues. Somebody posted on Facebook earlier today um, that somebody named David Kane, I think it was, somebody I never even heard of. I thought I knew everybody in the GOP establishment. He's somebody, I guess, has come out and said that we need to uh, institute or make Christianity uh, the national religion. I have said many, many times that this country was founded on the Judeo-Christian principles, but it was also founded under freedom of religion. We are not supposed to have... See, this is where the Republican Party goes off the rails saying dopey stuff like this, and they prove that the establishment proves... I guess they think they're pandering to the far right and to the conservatives of us, but the conservatives want freedom. It was the Baptist who actually sent a letter, I think it was, back to George Washington or whoever, saying we want to... We don't want an established government, a government-established religion in this country. We want freedom of religion. And um, so, you know, really, we're founded on Christian principles, Christian Judeo principles, but the Republican Party needs to stop saying nonsense like this because it doesn't actually reflect what this country was founded on. It does not reflect a limited government, freedom of religion, constitutional party that we are supposed to be. And one of the things Alicia was going to come on and talk to me about, because she's a guru, she knows everything that there is to know about campaign finance and election laws and all this. And she wanted to come on and share some insight as to uh, the GOP establishment working with Fox to really kind of handpick and kind of force an inevitable nominee on us, kind of Hillary Clinton us like the Democrats are doing um, by restricting the number of candidates, which, you know, coincidentally keeps my gal Carly Fiorina off the stage. And let me tell you, that's a woman who's lighting it up. They are scared of her in the GOP establishment because this is a woman, you know, who's proving why so far on the trail, proving why. You know, the issues, as I've said last night and continue to say about Obama, the issues with Obama are not that he was a one-term senator. His issues are not one of incompetence. They are of ideology. We need to stop that we've gone down the road with D.C. on both parties, that we have career politicians. And the GOP establishment is scared of her because she is making a brilliant case for why we do not need career politicians, why we don't need people that are just power hungry, why we need people who haven't just been in photo ops with all these leaders around the world, but people who have a leader who have, who have actually, like her, sat down and actually brokered some deals. She actually knows how to lead and actually knows how to get some stuff done. This is a woman who has the right lady parts, and I'm not talking about what's happening under her skirt. I'm talking about her brain. This is a woman who's taken almost 400 questions, and so far, nobody's been able to come up with a gaffe for her. So, you know, I, I'm hoping that there's going to be more opportunities for her to get on the national stage, and maybe, maybe those out there are paying attention. To 2016, we'll start, you know, maybe start supporting her and making sure that money goes towards her. And maybe we can start making some noise to at least get her, you know, on the stage. Uh, One of the other things that Alicia and I were going to talk about today is Harvey Milk Day. 
here in California. Um, I didn't watch that dopey movie about him. I really don't know a whole lot about Harvey Milk because, quite frankly, what somebody's doing in their bedroom, just like what's going on with somebody's parts, is not of interest of me. What I care about is somebody's policies. I advocate for ideas and for policies. I'm not interested in anybody's personal life. I am, a, you know, about the U.S. Constitution and liberty. But, you know, if, you know, what came about uh, today, of course, because of, of Harvey Milk Day, you know, here, of course, comes out, you know, the debate about, you know, uh, whether or not, you know, Republicans, you know, and, and Christians or whatever hate gay people. I'm going to say it again. I've had uh, Get Equal, Heather Cronk from, from Get Equal Organization come on my show. I've had other LBGT activists like the Log Cabin uh, Republicans come on my show. I advocate for civil rights for everybody. And if you as a group of people are trying to deny somebody their constitutionally protected rights of freedom of religion in the name of civil rights, you need to bugger off with that. You are the party. You are the uh, the people of hate and of intolerance if you're trying to get that over on anybody. Here's where I come down on this. And this is what I tell all my gay and lesbian friends. There are many in the gay and lesbian community who believe that they are born that way, just like there's many who don't. What you are armed with is opinion. Those who have a freedom, uh, uh, those who have the freedom of religion and have a religious opinion are armed with opinion. We need to stop having, having the government or anybody decide that one opinion is one of hate and one is a good opinion. I'm off for, That's where I stand on that issue. Don't be trying to tell other people that their opinions are hate. So that's where I'm at on that. Two minutes left. What else did I want to talk about? I think that was about it. Whew, I'm on fire tonight, Todd. Anything you want to talk about? I'd just like to thank all our servicemen out there, servicemen and women. And uh, my dad was in Vietnam. And uh, it, you know, like your guest said earlier on Memorial Day, sometimes you get so caught up in doing barbecues and what are you going to do to have fun on the extended weekend. But, you know, everybody should take out some time and, and, and think about the, the soldiers that have lost their life to defend our freedom. Absolutely. And if you know anybody out there, even if you've got a if you've got a family member, certainly or somebody that, you know, or even that you don't know, um, be sure you thank everybody for their service. You know, we're all involved in social media. It doesn't take but a few minutes to thank people for their service and to put some posts up and to honor those who have who have given everything for us. I think that we're not spending enough time in the political process and our and our people running for office are not spending enough time talking about the VA scandals, what's been going on there, and what we can do for our military uh, that are coming back injured, whether they have complete disabilities or um, or PTSD or just struggling to transition back. You know, one of the things that was so highlighted so brilliantly in the American Sniper story was the impact of the families as well, of uh, the service personnel during the deployments, when they come back, the families that, that lose loved ones over there. So we need to keep them in our thoughts and prayers and thank them you know, for their sacrifice in the part of the uh, the country, too. Um, I come from a long line of military. I think only one was actually killed in an action. I mentioned him last year on Memorial Day. He was my great uncle, William Kirkland, an Irish boy who was a bomber pilot in World War II who was killed in action. Um, I think he was an Air Medal Bronze Star Purple Heart winner. So um, I'm going to post his picture this weekend. Let's keep this conversation rolling. I would love for all of you out there to post on Facebook and Twitter anything about any stories about uh, your family members and loved ones who served, still serving, uh, certainly those uh, that we want to honor this Memorial Day. I thank you all so much for spending this time with me uh, on tonight's show. Follow me on Twitter at Andrea K5. Friend me on Facebook. Also, don't forget that I also do a Tuesday show close up on San Diego business. And what we've started doing on the Tuesday show is also spending a lot of time helping the military with having nonprofits 
come on the show. These are nonprofits that help transition the military, those who have served that are retiring and trying to make it into civilian life, and it's a difficult transition for them. So we spend a lot of time on the Tuesday show uh, with those organizations. So don't forget that show. That's 8 to 10 here at AM 1170, 8 to 10 p.m. on Tuesday evenings. And I thank you all. Thank you to Scott McEwen for coming on the show today. Um, What a nice guy you are. And thank you to Chris Sinog for being a hero and coming on the show today as well. Thank you all. Have a great week and a wonderful Memorial Day weekend. God bless you all. That we need changing As if all the founded fathers seem to get it wrong But I say I still believe in The greatest liberator, innovator, cultivator Cause I think you changed already. You went in the Andrea K Show on AM 1170. The Answer is sponsored by Andrea K. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.